So I went online this week and I Googled, I put it in quotes so I just get this, my mom is, just to see what people post online about my mom is. And if you see one of these and, and it, you know, it describes your mom, then, you know, go ahead and give her a shout out. You can give her a whoop or, you know, or a clap or a pat on the back or something. So let me just show you some of these. The first was, my mom is the best. Anybody got the best mom? Yeah. That's, I do. I've got the best mom. Uh, also, uh, another one was, my mom is in control. Dad thinks he is a lot of times. Oh, yeah, some people are clapping. <laughs> she lets dad think he is a lot of times, right? You know, for those few hours that he's home at night or the weekend or whatever, but even when he's there, he's, you know, it's like mom's still in control. Third, my mom is my inspiration. Amen. My mom is my inspiration. I can tell you that right now. Yes. Uh, fourthly, my mom is a survivor. I know some of you, yeah, my mom is a survivor. I know uh, some of you, your moms have been through a lot of stuff, and they are a survivor, right? What's fifth? My mom is a force of nature. Anybody got that mom? Thank God for forces of nature, you know, get us through some stuff, right? That's, that's, that's our mom, that's my mom. My mom is a superhero. I don't know what little kid wrote that, but that was fun. My mom is a superhero. Not just a hero, a superhero. And uh, the next one, my mom is not dating Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, when you Google stuff, you just get all kinds of things, right? Everybody that that's true of your mom, would you just say, you know, just give a, yeah, is that true? Okay, good. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Next, uh, my mom is obsessed. You got to fill in the blank or whatever comes after that. My mom, but my mom is obsessed. My mom's obsessed. When, when we're preaching this morning, you're going you're to hear some of the stuff my mom's obsessed with, okay? But my mom is obsessed. What's next? My mom is still worrying about me. And how, about you, how about you over 40 years of old? Your mom's still worrying about you? Yes. yes. It's her job. Don't get upset with her. That's her job, okay? Until you die, you know, and, uh, you know she's going to be worrying about you until she dies. What's, what's next? My mom is psychic. Has anybody got a psychic mom? She knows what's going on. How does she do that, right? There's some, she, I, I, she reads minds or something. I mean, because it's not, it's not like she really knows what I did. It's she just read it on my, on my face or somehow. Yeah, that, I had a psychic mom also. And lastly, my mom is the glue that holds the family together. The glue that holds the family together. Would you celebrate with me? Say, yeah, that's my mom. That's my mom that holds, and that's what they do. Kind of feels like we're in junior high, uh, you know, assembly here. We're all just clapping through all these little things. But we're serious here about this. And my mom is the, the glue that holds the family together. This morning's ser sermon is on woven and about how moms just kind of weave things and keep things together. You know, uh, dads are responsible for a whole lot of stuff. The husband's responsible for a whole lot of stuff. But you and I know there's, there's something special about what mom does to really knit a family together, to weave it together, to pull it tight. When those ends begin to get frazzled and she sees that, you know, it's like, you know, dad, he, he you know, okay, I, I'm a dad, okay, so I'm not just coming down on dads, I'm one of them. You know, it, I'm looking at the tops, you know, the treetops and things, and I see all the, you know, but mom digs down, she sees the frazzled ends. Moms, moms pull those in back tight to make sure that nothing falls away. 
Moms are, are, are you know, I read, I read this week also, when I Googled this, I read this week also that, that you know, moms are a lot of the, the background for what we believe about God, about relationships, you know, and, and about spiritual things because of the tone she sets in the family. I didn't write that. I, I read that this week. I don't know who wrote it, but, but yeah, I agree. That, that's my mom. You know, dads are responsible for a lot of things, but, but moms, by the tone that she sets in the house a lot of times, she teaches us, and, and we gain our, our understanding of who God is and our relationships and, and things that we do in the world. She speaks to us so much more out of her actions than she does her words. That's what a mom is. So let me tell you this morning about three moms, as quickly as I can, three moms from the Bible. And uh, these are things that, that moms are kind of uh, challenged. You could say gifted by God to do, but you could also say they are chosen by God to do. They are anointed by God to do. And they are gifted. He, he doesn't choose an anoint without also gift. He has gifted them to certain things. So let's begin first with a, a, a lady named Rizpah. This is Old Testament, okay, and you might not know that name. But Rizpah had two sons, and they were executed for a crime that their father had committed. Now they had five uh, half-brothers that were also executed. So seven of them were executed. Two of them were her sons. And they were sons of King Saul. Now she was, Rizpah, she was a secondary wife. Back in those days, I mean, kings, they had multiple, multiple wives. She was a secondary wife. She could never be a queen or anything like that. She was what a lot of times we call a concubine, okay? She was just a secondary wife. But she had children with King Saul. And two of those were sons who were executed for the king's crimes after the king had passed away. And, and and they uh, took them up on a hill. I think we've got our scripture up there. We'll read in just a moment. They took them up on a hill and they executed them. And then they, they left them there because what was the normal procedure was, is when, is, you know, when someone was executed, was to leave them there, whether it was by hanging or whatever. It sounds like these boys were probably hung. And they were left there for the elements to just rot away and de decompose their bodies. And then for the animals, uh, the birds and the, and, and the wild beasts and the wild dogs of the air to, to come and to, to just eat away, to pick apart and to devour the bodies that were there. This, this, is, this is what was kind of done as normal. And here's what Rizpah did. Once this, once this happened to her sons, in 2 Samuel 21, verse 10, then Rizpah, the daughter of Aah, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until rain fell upon them from, heaven, from the heavens. And she did not allow the birds of the air to come upon them by day or the beasts of the field by night. Don't read that last part yet. I ain't there, okay? Here's what she did. Is she, saw, she saw her boys hanging there. And, and, and I don't know if she, if she accompanied them to the execution, but, but she, she knew about it. And so I, I got to have a feeling, I, that'd be a hard thing to watch, wouldn't it? Be a hard thing to watch your boys be executed. But you know that mom had to be there. I, I, I don't know for a fact that she was, but you know she had to be. You know she could not turn her back. Even the mother of Jesus, Mary, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, we find out that he looked down and who did he see at the foot of the cross? Mary. A horrible time to watch your children go through something, but that's what a mom does. And we need to remember that sometimes. You know, we're putting our moms through things. Understand, you know, some, some people say, oh, you know, this is a sin that I'm committing, and it's not hurting anybody else. Let me tell you, if it's not hurting anybody but you, it's also hurting your mom. 
when your mom has to watch you go through things. Because mom is like, she, she's not the one, she can never cut the apron strings and walk away and, and, and not worry about you. You said a few moments ago, my mom's still worrying about me. No matter where you are, your, your mom's still worrying about you. And so here's what she did. She, she went and she took some, some sackcloth. Now the closest thing we've got uh, to sackcloth here today, and uh, I'm tied up here just a little bit. Thank you, ladies. The closest thing we've got to uh, sackcloth today is burlap. And this one is shedding like a little puppy. Burlap. She took the burlap and she, she spread it out on, on a rock to make herself a place to sit. And she, she did this because she stayed there day and night. Because during the day, the birds would come to pick apart the flesh of these seven. And, you know, and it doesn't say in the Scripture, but, but it appears to me that, yes, yeah, she, she wasn't just there for She was there for her too. But she probably, she took care of the other five also. They're, they're half-brothers. And, and she was there, so she stayed. And when the birds would come, she would, she would shoo them away. And in the middle of the night, when the wild dogs or the wolves of the area would come, she would shoo them away. Now, think about this. This is one woman out there all by herself. And a pack of dogs would come. And she was there. She was there from the beginning of the harvest until the rain fell upon her sons. The reason she was there, she, she had determined she was going to stay there until King David, who is now king because King Saul had died, until King David heard that she was out. She was going to stay there until King, uh, King David came and did something with her bodies. Do you know why? Here's why. It's because these weren't just anybody's kids. These were her kids. And these were the king's kids. And, and they deserve, and I know some of us would say, well, but they were dead. They were just dead bodies. Maybe to you. But not to this mom. They were still her kids. Are you listening to this? This is what a mom sees. This is what a mom feels. It's when everybody else says it's dead, it's over, there's no hope. What does a mom do? Say, no, 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 not my kids. And so she, she sat there on her rocket, and, and when the birds would come, I can see that, yeah, that this is my picture, okay? I'm sorry, but I'm preaching this morning, so I get to say it the way I think it probably happened, all right? And a bird lights on the, on the shoulder of her son, and she picks up that, and she says, shoot, get off of there. You know, and she's, she's shooing them away. And, and how in the world does she run off a pack, of, a pack of wild animals? How does she run off a pack of wild dogs or a pack of wolves that come? I, boy, I bet she's got, that, she's got that burlap. She's got it up and she's swinging it and she's, she's running around like a crazy woman. Now, that one wasn't on the screen a moment ago, but any of y'all recognize a crazy woman when things aren't going right, you know, and, and, and your life starts to, you know, thank God. Every once in a while, we got, we got moms will be crazy when I you know every once in a while I, I need my mom to just be a crazy woman you know when when uh, when we were little uh, my I, I remember the most vivid image of my mom when I was a little boy was her and, when, and sometimes the door would be cracked or sometimes it'd be open wide open I could see was my mom knelt down beside the bed and fighting the fight of prayer calling out my name calling out my name and my brother's names individually and my, and my dad and praying for us. And, and, call, and, and one day, our, you know, the story's been told a whole lot of times uh, that, uh, you know, my mom and her sisters were this way. And, and one day one of my cousins answered the phone when his mom was in her bedroom praying. And, and they said, Where, is, is your mother there? And he said, yeah, she's in her bedroom shouting at God, you know. And thank God, sometimes moms, you need to get a little crazy. Because here's the whole thing. Is this world... This world is decomposing our kids. 
It is rotting our kids from their very soul out. It is infiltrating, it is getting in their mind, it is getting in their heart, it is entering them from every angle, from, from every direction. They are under attack, just like the elements were gonna rot these boys' bodies away. This world, this culture is rotting our kids. And just like the animals were coming to, to devour them, the things of this world, the things of this culture, the things around your kids today, they're coming to devour them. And what we need today more than, more than anything, for our kids, what we need more than anything is we need some moms saying, now wait a minute, that's my kids, you coming after now. You know, you might, you might have been after everybody else's for a little while, but you're after my kids today. And to pick up burlap or whatever they've got in their hand and say, not my kids. Come on, mom. We need you. We need you. Your kids need you. Those that were clapping for you a moment ago and that were, that were laughing and, and chuckling or, or, or giving you an elbow you and say, that's you, mom. They need you. They need you to step up. They need you to step into the fight and say, no, not my kids. We, we need some moms who, who don't have their heads stuck in the sand. And, 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 and you might not believe this, but it's happening a lot today. And they've almost, there are a lot of moms that today they have their, this attitude like, if my kids are going to do wrong, I just don't want to know about it. We need some moms to say, no, 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 not my kids. This isn't just anybody's kids. These are my kids, and these are the king's kids. They belong to him. And I'll do, I'll, I will never sit down, sit back, and watch them be devoured. Not my kids. Amen. Amen. I got something for you, mom. I got something. How many of you say that's me? Not my kids. Come on, moms. You say, not Matt. Come on, raise your hand. Say, not my kids. They're not going to devour them. Not my, I got something for you, mom. Before you leave today, I want you to get one of these. Had some ladies cut just some pieces off of this. I want you to take one of these homes, one of these uh, pieces of, uh, of burlap home as just a reminder. Stick it in your Bible. Stick it in your purse somewhere. If, if you use your Bible while you're praying, stick it in your Bible so you'll remember and remind yourself, not my kids. And if you're not a mom yet, go ahead and get it. Take one home and say, because you got, you, got you, got, you got kids coming one day, don't you? Come on, Emma, make sure you get one, all right? You got kids coming one day. And you start praying over that. Not my, they ain't here yet, but before they get here, not my kids. Okay, I, I got to go on. I got I to preach two, about two other ladies real quick, if I can. About 430 years or so before this story happened, Israel had been in captivity, and they were coming home. And they were coming home to take their land back. And everybody was scared. Israel was coming back, and they weren't just, just walking in. I meant God was going before them, and he was, he, was, he was destroying their enemies. He was pushing down people that would come against them. God would just wipe them out. Sometimes Israel didn't even have to draw a sword. God just wiped them out, the people that would come and try to attack them, and God would just wipe them out. So when Israel gets back to their land to take their land back, everyone is scared to death. Now, the Israelites didn't know everyone was scared of them. They were actually scared of their God that was with them. The Israelites didn't know that. So Joshua, their leader, the very first city they came, back to, came to in their land was Jericho. And Joshua, their leader, sent a couple of spies to sneak into Jericho. And they snuck into Jericho to kind of check things out. And they ended up in the house of a harlot named Rahab. Okay? And, and when I read this, you know, I'm like, how in the world? Now, these guys, you know, this, this is, you know, no jokes here, okay? All jokes aside, I mean, you know, we can make a lot of jokes here. No, no, no joking here. These guys were on a serious mission. Because they didn't, they didn't end up in that. But they ended up there by God's direction. 
Now, how is it that God directs them to this place? Because you see, when you and I read that, and it's even recorded there in Scripture, she was a harlot or a prostitute. You and I read that and say, how in the world? Why did God send them? You'd say, anybody else but her. But God wasn't looking for somebody without sin. He was looking for somebody with a faith inside of them. And so they made a deal. They made a deal with it. These two spies made a deal. Uh, in, in verse 15 and 18, we see it here in Joshua chapter 2. It says, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. And I got a little bit of a rope here. Oh, wait, they told me how to pull this loose. Thank you, ladies. She let them down by a rope through the window. And then, then they said, when we come into the land, you must leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside this house. So she let them down because her house was actually on the wall. She was able out of a window to let them down by a rope. They said, if you will, if you will not tell the king, if you will not tell the people of Jericho that we're here, if you'll help us escape, then when we come against this city, we'll save you. But you've got to let this, this rope be hanging down. You've got to let it be hanging down, and we'll let everybody with Israel know, wherever the scarlet rope is, you'd save that household. And we're not going to be responsible for anyone in your family who is outside the house. So make sure your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your relatives are inside the house. You know what God saw in her? He saw someone who would believe for the whole family when the rest of the family didn't know how to believe. Oh, that's a mom, isn't it? That describes my mom. A mom who would have faith when nobody else had faith. God wasn't looking for a perfect woman. He was looking for a woman who would believe for her household until her household could believe. He, was, he wasn't looking for somebody that had never made a mistake. Oh, we, got any, we got any moms here who haven't made mistakes? No. He wasn't looking for moms that had never made mistakes. He was looking for a mom who would believe, who would believe when nobody else knew how to believe, when nobody else, and, and there was fear in everybody's hearts. And, and she told these spies, she said, she said, we know about your God. And we know what your God has been doing, just knocking down your enemies in front of you. And there is a fear in our city. She said, but please save my family. And her, and her faith in their God was what saved her. And, but it didn't just save her, and it saved her family. And even those, that, even those that did not yet believe in this God or didn't have that fear yet, her father, her mother, her brothers, all of her relatives, everyone that she could just believe in and just pull in together and hold close together in that household, they were rescued. Mom, listen, you've made a lot of mistakes, but it ain't over. It's not over. You got to still keep gathering the family. You got to still keep fighting the prayer. You got to still believe. And l listen, there's some of you moms sitting here today that you've got some in your family. You've got kids that aren't believers today. And you say, what do I do about that? Take the example of Rahab and believe on their behalf until they can believe. But, but, but that won't save them, Pat. It, it, it won't save them in the sense of talking about the blood of Jesus washing away their sins, but it'll save them. It will save them by, by being the faith for them that keeps bringing God back to their attention, that keeps bringing his love into their life, that keeps bringing the peace and, and the joy and the blessings into their life, and also brings the correction when they do wrong. That's how your belief and your faith will do that. Mom, I, I, I want you to take a piece of this rope today. We've already got some of those here in, in another little basket. I want you to take some of these pieces of rope today because I want you to remember that God's not interested in talking about your past. This was Rahab. 
He's not interested in talking about your past. He wants to talk to you about your future. He doesn't want to talk about all the mistakes that you've made. He wants to talk about how he's going to bless your family in the future. He wants to talk about how he's going to gather those that don't know him yet because of your faith and believing and trusting. He wants to talk to you about how he can do that. So today, moms, please, if this is you, you say, I've got unbelievers in my household. God says, believe for them. And come get one of these before you leave today. Just come get a, a piece of the rope before you leave as a reminder that you're believing on behalf of an unbeliever until God is able to meet them, connect with them. Lastly, last third lady. This is in the life of Jesus. Uh, she's often called the Syrophoenician woman because that's the heir she was born. Let's read scripture first and then we'll talk about her. This is Mark chapter 7, verse 25, 26. A woman whose little daughter had an evil spirit heard about Jesus. She went to him and bowed down. The woman happened to be Greek, born in Phoenicia in Syria. She asked him to force the demon out of her daughter. Jesus had tried to sneak into town without anybody knowing. It didn't happen. That's what the verses right before this say. It obviously didn't happen because there was a certain woman who had a daughter who, was, who had a demonic spirit that was just tormenting her. She found out where Jesus was. She came to Jesus. And she said, Jesus, please. You know what Jesus did? Now, you know who Jesus is, right? You know what he did? He ignored her. He even insulted her. He brushed her aside. I'll tell you what he said in a minute. But think about this. Jesus, why would Jesus do this? Wait a minute, this is the Jesus who says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Everybody's got a burden, come to me, and I'll give you some rest. Or, or when, when, when the disciples tried to shoo the children away from Jesus because they thought oh, he's had a, had a long day, he doesn't need these kids around him. Jesus said, no, 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 let the little children come to me. Because this, these, are, these are like what, those who inherit the kingdom of God have to become like. So let the kids come. Let the... But when this lady came, the one that says, come unto me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I'll give you rest, the one who says, let the children come to me, this lady comes with a, with a, with a great need. Is, her daughter is possessed by a demon spirit that is tormenting, and she comes to Jesus, and Jesus just shoes her away and insults her. Here's what he says. He says, I have been sent to the household of Israel, and it's not right for me to take the food that is meant for the children and give to the dogs. Ooh. Now, that's an insult. You know, now, I know in some of your houses, uh, that isn't an insult because you treat your dogs just as well as you do as your children. Some of you, I've seen it on Facebook, right? But in that day, that was an insult. And, what, you, know, and you understand what he's saying. He said, you don't take the food for the kids and give it to the dogs. Now, what would you have done? Yeah, come on, be serious. What would you have really done? I mean, I think my whole attitude of prayer would have just been gone out the window when Jesus said that. Well, now, that's the attitude you got, Jesus. Because, wait a minute, this is Jesus. He's never shooed anybody away. He's always said, come. Why is he doing this to this woman? Because just like with Rahab, Jesus sees something inside of her, and it is that faith inside of her that God can do this, that Jesus is just, he's wanting to pick at a little bit. He's wanting to encourage a little bit. Come on, moms, listen. You know, you're wondering why you've prayed five, six, 10, 20 times, and it seems like it gets tougher than it gets easier. See this example right here. Jesus picks at her. 
She says, I can't take the food meant for the children and give it to the, you, dogs. That's what he was saying. You're like dogs in the house. He said, I can't do this. And so he picked at her. And, and, and he wasn't, I know sometimes we say he was testing her faith. He didn't have to test her faith. He knew about her faith. But what he was doing is he was letting her find out about her faith. And he was letting those around him find out about her faith. And he was giving us a story so that we would understand what it takes is this kind of faith. That when the going gets tough, you know, that's when all the sissies go home and the moms step up. Come on, moms. You could just said amen for yourself there. When the going gets tough, that's when the moms show up. That's when the moms start to say again, not my kids, and start believing when their kids aren't believing even for themselves yet. When that's when, when the going gets tough is what Jesus was doing. Is, is, is he, was, he was picking at her. He was even insulting her. And you know what she did? You know, you and I, we might have gotten really upset and said, well, if that's, a, if that's the way you look at me, but not, not this woman. This woman who needed her daughter to be touched by the power of God. There was nothing that would dissuade her. And that's what Jesus saw inside of her. And her reply was, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. You know what she said? Come on, somebody, you need to take this. As, let this be just a faith-enriching moment right here, okay? It's because what she was saying is, Jesus... You know, you and I would say, Jesus just called me a dog. You know what she, really, what she heard? She heard Jesus say, you inside the house. You're under the table. You're not a yard dog. You're not separated from me. You're right at the foot of the master. And you know how it is, a lot of your houses, right? That's exactly where the dog wants to be. He knows all you got to do is make one little slip up, just drop one little morsel, and he's got lunch, right? And he knows, and that's where he's at. And so, and so that's what she thought. She realized, oh, wait a minute. Jesus didn't send me away. Jesus didn't tell me I couldn't have it. He just told me I was a dog, but he told me I'm in the house. I'm, I'm next to the table. I'm right under where the crumbs fall because she knew all I need is I just need Jesus like you do with your own little dog. You know, you look down and you see that little face. You say, oh, okay. All she needed was Jesus to just look into her face one more time and to just, and to just see with that compassion that she had seen in his eyes so many times when she'd seen him teach or, or minister to other people and know that all she needed was Jesus to have compassion on her for just one moment and just one crumb from the hand of Jesus would bring deliverance to her daughter. And when she said to Jesus, Yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. You know what Jesus did? He had that compassion. And he turned to her, just, just like we might do sometimes. He turned to her and says, wow, what faith there is. And I, you know, I hadn't seen faith like this in a lot of places. And he just takes a couple of handfuls right off the kids' tables, and he hands it to her, and he says, go home because your daughter is totally delivered and made well right now. Why? Because she believed. Yeah, go ahead. And here's the thing. Because she didn't rest. She didn't give up. She didn't stop until her child had a seat at the king's table. Looks like it's over sometimes, doesn't it? Looks like it's, it's just not going to work out. This one's just not going to go in the right direction. God's got a hold of the heart of this one and the heart of this one, but this one just seems like they're going to go in another direction. Or the battles or, or the things that they're facing or the stuff that they put in their life. It's been too much. But she wouldn't give up. What your children need is they need a mom 
who will not slow down, who will not lay, lay low, who will not stick their head in the sand, who will not be oblivious to what the world is doing. They need a mom who will pray and who will fight and who will even push down their own pride like this woman had to do to do whatever it takes to make sure they have a place at the king's table. Every one of your children deserve a place at the king's table because they're the king's kids. And mom, I, I, I got, some, got some ladies to cut these before service, so I got, got some of these for you too, just to remind you of the calling that you have. Your calling is ultimately this, to make sure they have a spot at the king's table. They have one. Make sure they find it. I've heard my wife say several times to my kids, of all the stuff in this world that messes with us, that irritates us, that worries us as parents, there's one thing she can't abide. There's one thing that she will never be able to accept, that she will never be able to comprehend or live with for eternity, is to get to heaven and not see both of her children next to her at that table. That's your job, Mom. Of all the jobs that you've got, your ultimate job is to make sure every one of your children finds their place at the table. So, Mom, I, I got you a reminder of that. Don't leave here without getting it today. Can I ask everyone to please stand with me and get ready to close service? Just stand with me. Prayer team members are beginning to move and get in position to minister to you today. Mom, if you've got a child that does not yet know him, please, in just a moment, in just a moment, please move and Come let somebody pray with you. If you've, got a, if you've got a child that is really battling and this culture and the elements and the devils of hell are trying to devour them, don't leave here without a fight today. Come take the hand of a prayer team member and let us fight with you today. Take, take these symbols to remind you of the fight and the prayer that you need to be putting in every day because it's every day. Rispa didn't shoot the bird away and it didn't and never came back. As soon as she got settled again, same bird was back. Shoo it away, as soon as she got settled again, the same bird was back. And if she ever got rid of that bird, there was another one to take its place on the other shoulder. It'll be a constant battle, Mom. But there will be great rewards when you get to heaven and you see your kids seated around the king's table. Amen. Come on.